Welcome back to the Rebel Head Podcast. I'm Connor Salmons, and I am alongside my co-host Jackson King. Join us as we talk with Ghost and Farms about various changes in technology, water usage, and other farming practices. Without further ado, episode six is coming right up. For today's one and only interview, we are extremely excited to join Abe and John Gosen as uh, members of the Gosen Farm. So um, we'll first start off with uh, asking you, Abe, a bunch of questions, starting off with where you grew up, um, when farming first entered your life, and when Gosen Farms was established. All right. Well, I grew up in uh, Morse, Manitoba, Canada. And uh, <clears throat> I know the school was just a quarter mile from the house, and and uh, so we'd always walk home for dinner. And and uh, when the harvest was going on at the farm there, uh, I'd uh, instead of going home, I'd just jump on the combine and ride along. And uh, so early on, uh, I guess farming was in my blood. Right. Um, I always loved it, and uh, there were some things growing up I didn't appreciate sometime, but uh, all in all, uh, I uh, have always loved growing crops, and uh, so uh, I guess whenever I uh, did a little work for the neighbors, why it was on the farm, uh, either cutting grain or uh hey whatever and uh so it was uh just something that i loved and uh i uh <clears throat> um when i become of age you might say <laughs> mm. uh i uh, did have a uh construction job but uh, uh i farmed on the side too i guess whichever was the side uh, but uh, it was, um, oh, uh, in 67, I guess, when I really got into farming on my own, um, I'd purchased some land and uh, went from there. Did you purchase that land in Canada or, or here in Kansas? That was in Canada. So what crops were you growing on your farm and what equipment were you using at that time? Well, um, we had... Uh, Wheat, spring wheat, uh, barley, oats, um, canola, um, flax. I grew some um, red clover seed, which I even got a ribbon at the Royal Canadian Fair. Oh, wow. uh, so that was kind of cool. And uh, but as far as uh, equipment, well, I first used. Uh, equipment that my dad had. Uh, in fact, I started uh, with my younger brother. Uh, we shared equipment, and so uh, that was a little easier getting started. But uh, yeah, it was um, definitely different uh, uh, situation versus irrigating over here in Canada and uh, Kansas. Yeah. <clears throat> what is the earliest memory of farming that you have? Um, well, I would say that 
uh, mean like on my own? Yeah, or uh, maybe like the first experience that either your dad or your neighbor took you out on your tractor to learn or teach you how to drive it and stuff like that. Um, it was, uh, uh, I would say, probably on, oh, shoot, the later 50s um, when uh, I could ride along on the tractor. It was a pull-type uh, combine at the time. And so driving tractor wasn't that hard versus, you know, running the, all the other um, parts of the machine. So uh, anyway, I, I was probably about 12 years old or so. Oh, yeah. Probably. So. In what ways did you take uh, your experience that you used working in construction and use it on the family farm? Oh, it was... Uh, Boy, I mean, you didn't just slack off. You had to just keep at it in uh, all day. Uh, uh, f my first experience with construction was working for my brother-in-law, but then when he uh, quit, uh, I run my own group, uh, own crew, and so, I mean, you just couldn't uh, slack off. It was every day, and... Uh, uh, and that's the same with farming. You can't just sit by and just think everything's going to be fine. Uh, you've got to tend to yeah. to the crop, and same way you'd had to make sure your help was keeping after it. Yeah. And then somewhere in this time, uh, you met Olive, everybody's favorite South grade gr or game grandma. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I guess do you want to talk about where you met her? and uh, just things about that? Well, it was quite interesting. I, <clears throat> I'd uh, come here to a wedding that I was invited to, and I wanted to stop in earlier when we'd come through here from making a round trip to Florida and Mexico. And, uh, but the rest of the group in the car didn't want to, but then uh, this was in March, and in July, I come for the wedding, and uh, lo and behold, I seen this girl, <laughs> and uh, you know, I wasn't just 18 or 20, I was already a little older, but uh, I could never put her out of my mind since uh, I first met, but then it took uh, three years before we really <laughs> got uh, serious about things and and uh, so yeah it was uh, it was quite a deal yeah and then uh, John we're gonna I guess we'll move on to your questions now did you grow up in Canada or did you grow up in Kansas in Kansas All right. uh, so dad and mom got married in 73 and then they moved here in 75 alright so um, did you always know that you wanted to be a, a farmer, or is there always, or is there another profession at the time that was that you were thinking about? I love to farm all along. Uh, I don't necessarily remember, but Mom reminds me quite often. She goes that I always, I always told them that I was, or especially when we flood irrigated, um, 
you always wore irrigation boots or if you didn't whatever boots you had on were muddy anyway but um, at that time I told them that I was a bigger farmer than dad because my boots were muddier oh. so you know <laughs> as a three or four year old that makes a lot of sense so yeah. <laughs> but uh, no I, I've loved to farm um, watching watching crops grow or plants um, is just amazing I mean you can you can uh, when a corn plant isn't but probably thir two foot to 30 inches tall you can find the ear in there you can find the tassel if you cut them open I mean just just things like that it's just it just interests me and so yeah. it makes it very enjoyable yeah do you have any memories of Abe taking you out and teaching you how to run things likewise he had with his father yeah yeah just uh they didn't have have like a buddy seat it was just the armrest in the tractor and so you took a blanket or a pillow and and you just you just hung out there for the day there was wasn't necessarily cell phones you just spent the day with in the tractor riding along so um yeah lots of lots of memories of um a lot of well-taught lessons just spending all day together yeah so what did your guys's farm look like exactly such as like um, the farmhouse setting and all your equipment you guys had so um mom grew up on the on the farm like where our main base is at and uh, she uh, she lived there all but two years of her life because those two years right after they were married um, she lived in Canada and then uh, and then they uh, moved back to the um, farmstead but it was all the house and the shed and machinery was just all right there close and and uh, as the years have gone on we've we've expanded you know further away from the shop which farming has become more mobile than it was even 20 years ago um, you didn't think of farming a long ways away or you know a bunch of miles in between equipment didn't road go down the road fast or that type of deal so yeah what crops were you growing uh, when when you were a kid um, I think probably pretty much the same as what we do now but um, um, corn milo soybeans wheat those we've grown those all irrigated and then we also grow um grow those dry land also um just seeding rates vary depending on on what your what situation you have them planted. is there any crops that uh, you used to grow that you don't grow anymore probably we haven't grown sunflowers for a long time no. but we did what in the early 90s yes we did some oil sunflowers oh yeah then and then have you guys gotten any experience not out of out of country but out of state in like any neighboring states not more than just from looking when you're driving 
Oh, I, th- yeah. I think any farmer has pretty much got his head on a pivot, you know, just mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, huh, what's going on there? Yeah, we didn't know if he had, uh, maybe you flew down in California and just work, uh, see it, just to look at, you know, what they do down there to farm and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I know um, uh, my brother Fred, like Fred and Megan, um, he's a, a part of our farm also, but he had an opportunity to go take a tour in uh, um, like the Columbia River, Washington area there here a couple years ago. And um, I know they did corn, carrots, apples, uh, just a lot of stuff. And he really enjoyed that. And and I think it's something, I mean, it's on my bucket list, I guess you'd say, just to take that in. It's hard through the summer when we are in our busy season to just take that time and make that time to do things like that when when it's a... um, when it's an opportunity or an opportune time to go visit a, a different farms like that. Does fruit farming interest you at all? I, yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I I love this area so much, and so to to see fruit farming in this area, I don't know if that's necessarily a ever going to be a viable option here yeah. but i just love this part of the of the country i mean the great people communities um, so yeah what, do you, what do you think it is the best <laughs> what's the best thing about farming in southwest kansas the rain oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we have we have a uh, I mean, there's a, a huge variety, and there's always an opportunity out here. Um, you, um, some people say, well, there's not much to see or much to do out here. Well, there is if you if you look around and want to do some stuff. So yeah, um, I know you joked about the rain a little bit. So I guess we'll we'll touch a little bit on we did have a lot of rain this spring. Um, how did that affect your farm? So our uh, any it makes a lot of difference on irrigated crops. Also, it's probably one of the I don't know if the I haven't checked water meters yet this year, but probably will total be in one of the few or least amount of used water for. Um, for several years for sure um but um you know we went from we probably the first time i think it was the first time ever we never cut a bushel wheat for wheat harvest there was just no oh yeah no wheat because of the drought well um in turn we planted those acres to milo and we harvested a good milo crop and that was strictly because of rainfall that we had this spring so um, just the timing of when rains fall to when you harvest the crop or how that falls in its in its crop cycle that depends on on your amount of grain that you end up harvesting yeah so How'd it was very 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 beneficial um, lifted the spirits of a lot of farmers by yeah, having, yeah. when you have mud on your shoes, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
out of all your, this is kind of a putting you on the spot, but out of all your uh, years of farming, was there like a decade or like a patch of years that have been the wettest out of all the others? Oh, early 2000s would have, there seemed like early 2000s, 2009, those were, those would have been some very productive years. Um, prices weren't great right then. Um, so there's years where you produce a lot of bushels of grain, but the price may not be very good. So actually at the end of the year, your net profit wasn't that great for the year where sometimes you actually produce fewer bushels, the price is higher. It's actually a more profitable year then than it is when you raise the complete bumper crop. Um, so, you know, those, those things just all add in there. How much do you actually study the markets in farming? Like, just to see what the different wheat futures or corn futures and stuff like that are doing? Daily. Wow. It's it's just a just a part of part of knowing where the market has. I mean, you never know where it's going to be, but taking in um, where it's at and current events worldwide. Like I would say, I remember when it was markets would move maybe one. I'd say when I got into farming, I would say they'd move one to three cents a day either up or down like if it moved five cents that was a massive day um, I think yesterday wheat was down 20 cents so we have huge swings of, of dollars and there's some people that like to trade those daily um, if you're on the right side of that <laughs> yeah. it can either be good or bad I mean it it's it's a very fluctuating market from from what it used to be and uh, do you enjoy that part of farming just understanding where the market's going to go and how you're supposed to stay on top of that I, I would say i i actually like the production side of it probably more than the than the marketing side of yeah. it that's just i for me to go um run a tractor for 16 or 18 hours a day that's I love that. I mean, I that's very comfortable for me to do. Um, it it can get kind of old, but you know, um, with technologies um, where you know auto steer, swath control, you're basically making sure that everything's working there. So you have an opportunity for those times between your ends to turn around to check on markets and world current events and know what's happening yeah. um, so so um you mentioned talking about water earlier um through the past two decades and forever we've had ups and downs for uh rainfall <coughs> um so how has your water usage changed throughout the years of of at your farm? Well, we have, you know, went from 
flood irrigation to sprinklers. And uh, so that is easier to control. Um, you can get by with less water and do a more uniform job. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we try and conserve where it uh, seems like, you know, some farmers probably don't pay much mind to that. And more so lately, though, with the restrictions on pumping, um, people are getting more conscious of that. But uh, <clears throat> we try and, you know, disturb the least amount of soil to conserve what we've got. And so, uh, well, last year being very dry, we did uh, overpump on one well, just like a little bit, but boy, they noticed that. And, uh, but we've been under for many, many years. And uh, so, uh, it seems like that that if you pay attention to to um, your farming practice, why you can get by with a lot less water. Yeah. Do you get fined from the state when you overpump? Yes. Is it extremely pricey? Uh, it is rather pricey. Yeah. We did plead our cause, and they did uh, lower the fee. But even so, you know, uh, it's not nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you say uh, monitoring your water usage is the most stressful part about farming? Um, well, it, in a way it is because you, um, well, we've cut back on usage in so far as a shorter season corn and the likes. Uh, which uses less water, so uh, we do um, check it every now and then to see kind of where it's at as far as the whole picture. And so uh, I wouldn't say that it's the most stressful part of farming, but we do need to pay more attention because they are watching yeah. more closely. Um, Everybody needs to be conscious of water um, quality for that matter too, but the the amount that we use uh, not being wasteful. <clears throat> From when you first started the farm in Canada uh, to now, how has the price of land changed throughout the years? Ooh, it skyrocketed. Uh, what we figure is, uh, Would you got it over about uh, just under two thousand percent higher? Wow! Wow! Since what year? Is that early or late fifties? So, right, right at that was figuring uh, um, when, like, my mom or uh, dad's uh, wife's family or like Olive's family bought the where the place that they live on that was in nineteen forty nine. That's insane. 
So do you think the, the price of land will continue to go up for the foreseeable future? Or, or do you see it plateauing after a little bit in the coming years? I think it's going to just keep on edging up. Yeah. I think there's always going to, there, um, if you look at um, history of, of land prices, they may go up sharply um, if grain prices are up. Sometimes they level off or maybe dip just a little bit if if farming net revenues aren't as good. But then, you know, they'll they've just generally. I, I think they're going to go up. I mean, it's a solid it's a solid investment. Yeah. There's um, if you go to any land auction, um, I would encourage people to even high school kids to if they can catch one. I mean, it's um, it, it's something that doesn't happen every day. Um, land doesn't get uh, get sold very often, and it's a it's a very interesting uh, um, uh, entertainment. It can be. <laughs> I've never been to a land auction, so can you talk a little more about that? Like what goes down? Well, just you know, there's uh, there's always. Um, you know that you're going to have probably your your neighbor, your next door neighbor, bidding on it. Also, um, you know sometimes there's people that that nobody knows who they are. But a lot of times in this area, there's it's it's someone that you know very well, and uh, you know um, it's just uh, it's working worth a lot of dollars. Um, a lot of times it's sold on a per acre basis times the amount of acres and so um, to farm you got to be a good you got to be good with numbers or math um, pay attention in math class yeah <laughs> and, uh, yeah I always remember Rylan uh, I think he's gone to basically every land auction it feels like because he it always seems like when the when he's missing school he's always like oh Rylan's at a land auction today <laughs> yeah, he, he come back give us a report it, yeah. it, it is interesting it is yeah. interesting yeah. yeah so we're gonna move on to a like technological technological advancements what would you guys say has been the most beneficial technological advancement for you guys' farm in specific. I would say probably um, as far as ease of taking a workload off of who's doing the job, I would say auto steer, GPS auto steer has made a huge difference. Um, and then followed right along with, with swath control, being able to whether that's on sprayers, planters, fertilizing equipment, just reduce the amount of overlap. Um, and then in turn that, that uh, equates to saved input cost um, by, by having that no overlap. Um, I'd say that the ease of, of auto steer has, you're just not as tired at the end of the day, or you can put in more hours um, doing the same job. What were your first impressions when they started demoing auto steer and stuff like that? I laughed. <laughs> you didn't think it was real? Well, yeah, but I'm like, really? Like, 
like I've always enjoyed driving tractor and so to follow a marker um, all day long like it was it was easy for me to follow a marker and drive straight like it I didn't have I didn't struggle with that I mean it didn't look like so when you say follow a marker you're just pointing something way out in the distance so a lot of times with like a marker you'd have like a a a hydraulic folding arm that would run a disc like half the width of your implement so you would run it right down the middle of the tractor so your first pass through the field you didn't have that yet so you had to either run on the edge of the field or yeah pick a mark out there and then and then start from there but um, yeah um, and then yeah um, just got to where there was times where you couldn't see a marker well um, the width of equipment was getting to where markers didn't work that well or you'd tear them up a lot and so yeah I busted down and I got it and I'm like huh. I should have done that sooner. Abe, <laughs> yeah. hey, did you ever did you ever laugh at John when maybe he was first starting to learn? They're like, you guys don't understand how good you have it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, of course, you know him being younger than me, uh, they can latch onto that the the mechanics you might say of of the whole thing uh, faster than what I could and. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it got important. You know, I figured, well, okay, forget that and just do like we always did. You oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This question is kind of a stretch, but if you guys had to only use the farm equipment you had back when you started uh, to finish a corn harvest with all the land you guys own today, how long do you think that would take? <laughs> you would never get done? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> We figured that according to the time we spent this year and your question, uh, it would be 150 days of harvest. Wow. That's insane. That is. Do you think having nicer equipment, bigger, better, more efficient equipment is more effective than having like a bunch of workers? Which one would you say is more effective to get the most yield? Of your crop if the if if you have good good workers probably smaller equipment is your your cost of anytime you go larger equipment the cost increases along with larger I mean your cost per foot of implement goes up the larger it gets mm-hmm. so your cost of equipment goes higher. Um, the I'm gonna say to find good qualifying or good labor that cares what they're doing every day. That's tough. Yeah. And so, so the labor market has driven equipment larger because you have to do more with fewer people. And so that's, I, I think that's, I mean, there's some large equipment out there, but there is, there comes a point where it's just not feasible to go any bigger with equipment. Yeah. 
Do you want to talk about uh, all the workers that you have on your farm to keep Ghost and Farms going? We we wanted to bring on basically the entire family for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. but we only, have, we only have four mics and four headsets. So uh, I feel like we did some, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like we did a, a couple people on the farm wrong. <laughs> well, you know, we we all understand that uh, not everybody can do absolutely the exact same thing and that's that's just any business in in the uh, in the world you some people have to do one thing and some another so uh, but yeah uh, Abe and Olive um, John and Amy and Fred and Megan I would say would be the the heart of of the farm and then uh, and then Wesley Radsliff, Keith Kane, Frank Peters are are our uh, full-time um, guys. And then uh, Rylan, Rylan and D-Man are our weekend warriors. Oh, or yeah. <laughs> whenever they're not in school or or uh, practice or whatever, <laughs> so um, they they put a lot of hours in, a lot of help. Um, my other two kids, Lakin and Dalton, move a lot of vehicles around and help out um, a lot. But like during fall harvest or during harvest, or usually either we need either nine or ten people um, every day, and so um, that's a that just takes effort to to keep everybody headed in the same direction and. And working together good um, and then that trickles down to like on our uh, um, our crop scout we we lean on for uh, crop crop recommendations um, the uh, uh, seed dealer chemical fertilizer suppliers equipment parts suppliers I mean when you break down there's nothing more important than the guy behind the counter whether they have the part hopefully or tell me where it's at because there's a vehicle on the road to get it yeah because otherwise you have nine to ten people sitting or you know so not necessarily sitting but you know that something breaks down you have to shift those people to do something else that day than what you initially intended on so all of a sudden that person at the parts counter become the most important person on your entire farm. What is your favorite job to perform on the farm? I would say probably planting. I love to plant. Um, put that seed in the ground and, and then a lot of times when you're planting it is planting into moisture there's a few times we've dusted in um, seed and just hopefully Mother Nature will give us rain to bring it up at some point. But typically it's it's good conditions to plant into and yeah. Could you describe the most satisfying job on the farm? Probably uh, 
at the end of at the end of harvest or finishing a finishing a field at harvest and looking across it and seeing just stubble out there and knowing that 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 crop is finished and done that's that's a pretty pretty accomplished feeling yeah whether it's been a good crop or uh, sometimes you cut it just to just so you don't have a bunch of volunteer out there you know we've um, sometimes you harvest milo dryland milo that's can be low to mid 150s um, some 100 to 150 bushel an acre and there's been years where we haven't even harvested the field so anywhere in between there um, you know it's not fun harvesting it at 10 bushel an acre there's a lot of just driving and not much <laughs> hauling yeah. but um, what is your favorite part on the farm Abe? oh i guess used to, it has kind of changed over the years i used to do a lot of the trucking and all it was always on the grain cart well that has shifted so i'm on the cart and to uh, get a full load and load up the truck is it's a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, as far as uh, well, that yeah, that's that's kind of been the shift uh, for me, and uh, it's uh, getting harder for me to do maintenance work. Uh, if I get down on the creeper, I uh, about need a winch to get me up, you know. <laughs> so I used to like that, but uh, but getting out on the tractor and, you know, just needing to drive is the up and down on the truck is not for me anymore. So uh, if I, I, I guess that's kind of tractor driving, and at least in harvest is what I, I like to do. In all your years farming, have you made any major mistake before? Uh, let's see. It's not uh, <laughs> been disastrous, but uh, I guess what I would call a mistake is uh, opportunity that I had to um, rent some ground that was just next door and I didn't know how I was going to manage that and and I let it go and uh, I, I I was disappointed that you know I let that go because that uh, you know it would have fit in very well but uh, at the time I couldn't see myself doing it and but as far as uh, real economic uh, disaster I don't know that I really well, have you uh was there ever a time I'm guess um that you were like I'm gonna have to tell someone this but I don't I don't want to tell them like you just spilled a huge load of grain or something like that or <laughs> stories like that well uh, one time I was uh, harvesting and uh, I forgot to shut off the unloading auger so I went a whole mo half mile just chucking it out the back. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, John? <laughs> yeah, there. Um, 
yeah not not huge things but yeah just yeah you hit something you um when we when we flood irrigated there was a lot of uh irrigation risers along the top end of the field or yeah you'd end up you want to get close and all of a sudden close was oops <laughs> yeah those aren't fun phone calls but yeah um you know we've we've had not that uh, we haven't haven't had had issues we've had we've had uh, a grain cart that's got laid over loaded we've had a truck that's got on the edge of the road and sucked in and and on its side um, and uh, yeah those things happen um, there's you don't throw anybody under the bus because it's coming for you yeah, if you do yeah. <laughs> so you know it's uh those are all all situations that uh um that if you don't learn from them then it's then it's a truly bad mistake but if you can learn from them it's something that's happened and you you continue on and and that that can be not only in farming but every every single day and everything anybody does have you ever thought about documenting everything on YouTube or social media just to let us know everything that goes on on your farm? Well, <laughs> probably have to have a full-time editor because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes farming it's good that you're just away from everybody and you're by yourself because sometimes you just like say what you really think right off and yeah. it's not always mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. not always a good thing and not always correct. But um, you know hats off to some of those guys that do I don't ever see myself doing that um, I'm maybe a little more old-school in that particular thing and probably kind of goes back to that whole GPS thing you know right off but I'm like I can't see myself living behind a screen like yeah. I enjoy life too much for that look around um, you know just being glued to a screen and and trying to make that all work I know I find it interesting some of the things that that those YouTube channel you know um, millennial farmer Larson farms you know I'm like how do they make that work on a daily basis uh, I don't have time for that I don't think but maybe I get maybe I do <laughs> yeah there's definitely some perks after watching some of those videos of course they always get a demo of the nicest equipment they always get it, and they, and they just have a large following. Those YouTubers have more, or like more than two million subscribers. Some of them, and yeah, it's, it's unreal. I'm surprised that no one in Southwest Kansas has taken that up. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Yeah. Maybe just make one video, just of harvest, or what it what it's like. And if it blows up, <laughs> it'll, maybe it'll. Stick. Yep, upload another one. What What are some ways life on the farm? is different than how those social media channels or even the TV portrays it to be. Well, the uh, the opportunity of of farming um, to be able to have your kids involved um, is just absolutely awesome, and uh, and those chan I would say those channels do a good job of. I mean, they don't just show all the good things. I mean, they show stuff broke. They show 
I mean, not fun jobs being done and um, farming isn't all glory. Um, takes a lot of a lot of work and a lot of sweat. Um, nobody likes to clean a bin. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, um, I think uh, I think for the most part it those channels have brought awareness of what actually is happening now like you're saying um, they get to demo new equipment well farms aren't all new equipment there's Mm -hmm. you know and so um, some of the um, some of those ways I I would say I don't know what all's edited out and what (laughs) you know what they what all they did have but um I think they've been good for the for the uh farming community to have that information out there. Yeah. So where do you think uh farming will be in the future? Just like yesterday we had a career expo and they're um showing all these videos of being able to control everything in your tractor and your combine and tell them that you have this part messed up and it's like on the it's like a drone flying over to fix it and stuff like that. Um, so I guess, do you like do you? When do you think um, like full self-driving tractors and stuff like that will hit your farm? I'm not sure. I know it's probably closer than what I think it is, but um, I think that comes back to that labor um, issue also. Like it's just it's hard to find people that are fully invested in. Um, doing a great job every single day and um, you know as the operation as as operations um, become more important like when I grew up um, you'd go around the the sweeps or the big blades several times through the summer across there well you spent a lot of time doing that not that that wasn't important but now pretty much you are down to each operation you're doing is probably doing more than one thing at a time and if fertilizer isn't turned on you may not nobody knows it necessarily until it's too late and so those things so each operation has become more important that you cross when you cross the field so i'm going to say the the labor um, industry has needed to be more particular and and I'm gonna say higher higher end or you know just like they got to be fully invested in it and uh, and so having having autonomous equipment I can actually see that probably um, like we plant corn with 24 rows but in order to run that equipment it takes large you know you can buy larger planters but is it actually feasible for the size of fields do you you have so at some point would it actually make sense for me to run three four five autonomous tractors that have 12 row planters and i'm actually getting way more done than than just running one um, I think it's coming. Um, how soon? I, I don't know. It's hard to replace the uh, 
human eyes and the human mind because um, they can see stuff you can calculate it and to have videographic well enough to you know sometimes you can't see because of the dust that you got a problem but when you're coming back beside it on the next pass you're like why is that look a little different over there and you get out and you're like oh well i got stock jammed in and something's dragging you know it didn't drag up a great big pile but it wasn't working correctly so to have are you going to have a video camera that is going to be high enough definition to pick that up human eyes and human mind are they're impressive mm -hmm. um, so i think that's the biggest i i think that's that's a drawback that they're that they're up against. I mean, how do you take in all those variabilities? Mm -hmm. Abe, would you say your grandkids have taken such a keen interest in farming like you did at a young age? Some of them have. Uh, and it, farming isn't a fit for everybody. <clears throat> and so, uh, well, even like when um, Fred went to college, he didn't know if he wanted to farm, but uh, after spending a couple of years in the shop in Dodge, why, uh, this isn't what I want to do all my life. So, you know, being out in the open in the, um, that was a magnet, you might say, for him. And <clears throat> like I said, it's not a fit for everybody. Uh, you've got to love what you, do and so, and if they don't want to farm, uh, that's entirely okay. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have any more questions, Connor? I do not. I think that's all we got for you guys. Uh, yes, I, I got one question right. for you guys. Okay. What what do um, what do I'm gonna say high school age, but what would um, teenagers? How do they view farming? Well, me personally, everything, I've never stepped foot on a farm or like had a good idea of what goes on in a farm, maybe when I was younger a little bit. So everything I learn about farming is through like millennial farming, Larson Farms and stuff like that. And then just, you know, having small conversations with Rylan and Dominic and a couple farmers who are at school. That, that's how I get my idea of farming. And then just driving down the road and seeing you guys harvest and stuff like that. So. Um, I'm really, everything about farming I know is based off of what other people know and just never actually stepping foot on a farm and understanding it for myself, so. I, we have a, uh, we have our family farm down in uh, Hodgman County and it's like, every time I go there I think I'm getting like somewhat of an idea of how the things work and it's like, what? No, these, they just know so much, I just think farmers know so much about agriculture and botany and all that stuff but I definitely think it's an under underappreciated job it's just it's just it's just it's just amazing how you were talking about the growth and everything I don't know yeah yeah well it, yeah it's uh it's just yeah it was something that I thought about I was like you know whether if if kid usually if if somebody's fully interested in it and that's something they want to pursue they have you know found found a way to work themselves into 
helping somebody at that you know already but you know we also want to do a do a good job of portraying how we grow food for for the mm-hmm. world also yeah. and and uh and it may not just turn into i mean a lot of our grain goes strictly into feed yards here so a lot of the grain we we produce gets uh or at least the corn and milo would end up in a in a beef ribeye somewhere so if you like if you like a ribeye steak yeah. <laughs> i would yeah. also say i ryland just knows so much about all that stuff like sometimes we'll just have conversations and we could talk for hours it's like he just knows so much interesting information i'm like that is just so cool yeah i would i would find it really interesting just to uh see what it's like like on a day of harvest just to compare because i know that farming practices maybe in idaho are much different than what it is in kansas so just to see um what farming is actually like in southwest kansas would be very very interesting to me but yeah actually with my gluten allergy my doctor uh told me he's like i told him we had a family farm and he's like that's probably a no-go because all the uh airborne wheat and all that stuff he's like that would yeah that would get you in an instant yeah but <laughs> yeah well and it's hard um you know there's some some guys that do fight allergies really bad and uh, and it's yeah there's there's a lot of that dirt and dust that floats around and and involved in a lot of Mm-hmm. a lot of different things that way so I would I would find running the uh, big equipment very interesting just a lot of fun just <laughs> just to look at what everything is going on and all the precision it takes I think it's really cool and just the whole um, collaboration of just everybody working together it would be very very interesting to see what it's like but yeah yeah that's that's my my uh what our, is it? Our, our take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my two cents. So. Yeah. And make yourself available. <laughs> we could stick you on a combine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I think uh, we'll call it a wrap. Thank yeah. You thank guys. you very much for having thank, us. I appreciate it. Yep. Yes. I appreciate it. Before we wrap this episode up, I would like to give a couple of announcements. Starting first with the junior high. They played in their first basketball game of the season at Protection, in which both boys and girls varsity teams won. We had a veterans program this week on Friday, and the next week starting on Monday, the high school basketball teams will start their first practice. Connor and I would like to personally thank not just Ghost and Farms, but all local farmers. Your work helps put food on our plate. So thank you all for listening to Episode 6 of the Rebel Ed Podcast. It's a great day to be a rebel.